0: We'll Bishop and Vicars, I'm Bishop Tom Daly from the Diocese of Spokane here in Eastern Washington, and joining me are our vicars, Father Brian Mee, the Vicar of Finance and Pastor of St. Augustine's, Father Pat Kirst, who is the pastor of St. Thomas More and the Vicar for Priests, and Father Darren Connell, rector of Our Lady of the Lord's Cathedral, and the Vicar General. We're today in the event to be uh, outdo the competition we have in the entire United States uh, on a radio programs of bishops which are <laughs> Currently, I understand, are on 26 dioceses across the country. We're going to talk about heresies. This is on 26 dioceses. I think it's Sweeps Week. <laughs> it is. No, uh, 26 uh, dioceses have this uh, show. Did you make that up? No, I read that in the Inquirer. Um, <laughs> okay, I better. I thought <laughs> it was right, fake news. Yeah, okay. I thought it was fake news. Okay, Stormy Davis. Uh, Davis. That's, uh, okay. I, oh, yeah, anyway, going. we're going to talk about... Um, heresies in the church and uh, for a little bit of historical background on maybe father me if you could tell us as the church over the centuries has defined heresy
1: heresies well first of all there's heresiarchs and those are the um, those who are founders of heresies and heresies Mm. are basically usually um, they believe many of the Catholic uh, theology and doctrine, but there's something in one or other issue in Catholic doctrine that they do not uh, agree with. And therefore they'll promote their view, such as perhaps one of the most famous uh, heresies was Arianism, why they believed everything about Christ except that he was divine. So of course not believing in the, the two natures of Christ, the human nature and divine nature, seeing how they only believed he was human, uh, they were heretics. So each heresy, basically, it's um, it's uh, a disbelief in some part of the Catholic doctrine. But what can happen historically with heresy is it helps the church to develop and refine her doctrine even more.
0: I think uh, Father Me raises a, a good point that uh, heresy is a term some people would say, well, it, heresy, what do we, in, in the Middle Ages, and then yet... Um, There was an allegation of heresy uh, leveled recently within the church, and it's led to to a discussion and thus why we here on our radio show are are talking about this. Maybe with that as the definition, what are some of the earliest heresies that um, plagued the church and forced the church to come together either as a council or a, a proclamation to discuss this and perhaps have it part of the Nicene Creed? I'm not saying everybody has their own favorite heresy, but... Um, well, I have, a, oh, I have a couple. I mm-hmm.
2: have a, a heresy in particular, but one there is a thread running through uh, many of the early uh, heresies in the church that had to do with created reality, so that you know, the church really struggled with, or uh, Christians struggled with, uh, the, the whole uh, dualism between the flesh and, and the spirit, between created reality, uh, material things, and spiritual things, and, and some... As Father Me said, you know, would latch onto that and and take it to the extreme and condemn um, material everything that was material. So the body, creation, uh, flesh, etc., um, which is obviously a heresy because of, in part, because of the incarnation that that created reality has has a status uh, because of the incarnation. Um, uh, that it didn't have before, and and as a product of of, of God's uh, God's own hand, and so we don't believe that as Catholics, but it certainly was a, a tension. How, how do you deal with uh, the spiritual and the material in the early Church in a, a way that's that's uh, orthodox?
0: So some of those early, what would might be some of the earliest heresies that the Church dealt with, and then clarified her teaching, and then continued on proclaiming the gospel. What might be you talked about? I think was Arianism. Um,
1: Well, earlier than that, one of the ones, uh, and going to what Father Connell was speaking about as well, was Martianism. And Martian was the, he lived in the second century, I think, late second century, um, early third. But uh, he believed in two gods, the God of the Old Testament, who was basically uh, an angry, evil God, and then the um, of the New Testament. Uh, He... Believed in only certain books of the scriptures as well. So what it it caused and then accepted other things that weren't part of the scriptures. So what it caused was the church to begin to define what was that canon. In Mm -hmm. other words, what was that approved? What were the approved writings that the church recognized as inspired? So that's um, one example of a heretic who even in his heresy assisted the church in coming to a clearer definition of what she believed.
0: Did Origen uh, teach uh, heresy for a while and recanted, or am I mistaking that for um, well, one of the other great heretics of the church?
2: Isn't that why he isn't a saint?
0: He gets accused of it. He kind of gets accused.
1: Um, for Origen in his day, of course, Christ was always seen as the intercessor, and the Father is always the one who is prayed to. Just as it is in the, uh, in the Mass today, we pray to the Father through the Son, Christ. And I think for that reason, and then because he was from Alexandria and Arius for, so Arianism later on, a century, two centuries after Origen, um, has this heresy where they don't recognize the divinity of Christ. And so Origen, he was never uh, recognized or never considered a heretic in his day, but only historically looking back on him, were there elements of heresy, but I'd say no.
0: What about the no, donatists? Uh, the donatists. I love donuts. I love donuts. donuts. No, no donut shop. Yeah, blazed, we could tell. Blazed, donut, yeah. donut parade. You like the bacon and maple? <laughs> wow! Did you uh, say I can no, tell? No, did no, you no you I just say, say I can say, tell. You have a bacon <laughs> and maple wow. bar. There's a reason on this is a radio show. Okay, <laughs> easy, Jerry. <laughs> um, so only he can tell, not everyone. The, the donatists uh, were rigorous, holding that the church must be a church of saints, not sinners, and that sacraments administered by the traditores were invalid? S- w- who were the, was that a, they lived in Cincinnati, right? Well, in the suburbs? <laughs> <laughs> no.
2: It, it, it's, it's the Latin for traitor. Huh? I mean, so, so if, you, if you believed, or sorry, if you were in the state of mortal sin as a minister or a mm-hmm. priest, uh, your, the sacraments that you attempted to confect actually didn't happen.
0: Now was that, yeah. did, did that last more than j- j- just a few years or was that, uh, you know, like. The, image, the, the image that Boy. I have
2: in my mind in terms of uh, how the church responded, they responded by by talking about this um, incredibly beautiful, pure stream, with cold water, perfectly uh, rich. Free, rich and free of all <laughs> impurities. <laughs> and this man wanted to find the source of this beautiful stream, and he's walking along uh, to, to, <laughs> to the source. And the source of this beautiful, perfect stream is a is a, a dead and rotting dog, and the water <laughs> the water is coming out of his mouth. And and the truth is that that. The, the, the validity of the sacraments and all their pu- purity and beauty and grace can even come through a sinful uh, minister. Mm-hmm. That That's how
0: the church responded to that. Mm, thank God. So we're, yes. ha- we're having a portrait
2: of a rotting dog uh, <laughs> made at the <laughs> cathedral. You asked me
0: to build a parish in Our Lady the Rotting Dog. Oh. <laughs> we're not going to. Right. Mary would not be happy with it. Uh, what about Pelagianism? I think Father <laughs> cursed. Uh, gave a workshop at that. He was uh, a keynote. I probably, Keno, Keno, Keno. Keno. I probably have it something. You I were tasked to keynote. Task. <laughs> yeah. Well. Or you more in the Jansenist? Yeah. That, that, that's your specialty.
3: <laughs> well, before talking about any particular heresy, I, I do have a, a a little background in terms of my relationship with heresy. I, I'd hmm. gotten through seminary and college and studied all this philosophy, and now I'm this. Uh, You know sponge of a mind going on to graduate school to now begin studying theology. I'd never studied it before the very first theology class I had was a dogmatic theology course and very erudite professor and uh, and uh, This was the same professor who on my evaluation described me as puckish Puckish. Which I didn't even know what that meant. I had to ask uh, for some
0: clarification. It's but, uh, pukish, not it, it it? No, it's puckish. It, puckish puk- is like kind of a street fighter. It, it turns out it not being a positive thing. I, yeah, have, I oh. thought he was commending Father me. Father right? was described by, in his evaluation, as perky, oh. which yeah. generally we don't like to be described no. as perky. So, anyway, uh-huh. back, Mary back to me.
3: <laughs> back to me. So so I'm in this fir- don't very don't first theology it. class I've ever taken in my life, but I'd heard this concept, heresy, but I didn't really have a grasp of what we're talking about here. And... So he assigned us our very first paper in theology, and we had to read this book and write a theological reflection on it. And I raised my hand, and uh, being a puckish one, I said, uh, "I know, um, Father Dipperner is his name, Father Dipperner." So, what if I write something heretical in this paper? And he'd gotten to know me after the, or in the few weeks before that, and he looked right at me and said, "Cursed! You're not smart enough to be a heretic." And I said, "Well, I got that going for me, but the Which messaging nice. and that was." Heretics are very bright people, and mm-hmm. the heresies, and charismatic. the heresies are so close to being right. Mm-hmm. They are so close. They say nine things right, and then the tenth mm-hmm. thing is where they get off yep. the rails. And, and that sets that sense. rotting dog. That yeah. Well, no, that's, that's a visual. That's a ten oh. out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> so with all of these heresies we talk about, there's a logic to it. You can find scriptural basis for some of this stuff, and and. Uh, And it makes sense, but then there's just one little twist where they get off the rails and get exaggerated, and and it's uh, that gives rise to. Could we say that each
0: of the ones who led these heresies suffered from tremendous egos? Was that another show? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that'd
1: be hard to say. I don't know because, uh, especially in the early early church, you have to remember they were working their way through. the character of who this, the divinity of Christ, uh, how does that work with his humanity? So a lot of times they were just serious scholars trying to find their way and um, go astray in that. So
2: Well, and, and it, you mentioned Arianism. Wasn't like half the church Arian at one time? I mean, there were bishops and priests, and it was pretty pretty serious. The whole army was, the whole Roman army well,
1: was. Well, there you no. go. But, well... Yes and no. I mean, in most ages, uh, those who are the true heretics, there's few, but you have a lot that jump on to a heretical bandwagon.
2: johnny come Lately.
1: Because they're against, in this case, they're against something in the church. That's some heretic calling right now, message, by the way. Take a message. <laughs> so uh, so in the case of Arianism, you had many who, who uh, were still followers of the old religion and paganism, and they saw their world changing. So they saw Arianism as a reaction or as opposition to the Catholic Church that was taking root. And therefore, they jumped on that bandwagon.
0: What are the ones uh, our executive producer spoke about Gnosticism? And I think that began certainly in the early centuries, but uh, seems to be alive and well in different ways. So I know we don't have much time before the break, but what might be the roots of Gnosticism uh, historically in the Church? Uh, was that a, a, an individual who started this? Was well, it um... There's a lot of forms of Gnosticism. I wonder, you know, and
1: we don't have much time, but even if you look at the Enlightenment, mm-hmm. what do we say in the Enlightenment? Everything is to be through reason. There's no room for mystery or anything else or any other, or for emotion. It's all reason. And Gnosticism basically was caught up in the intellect. So anything other, certainly the physical, in a way it goes into that, those other... Um, that dualism of, in this case, it's the intellect, it's the spirit. That, uh, but anything bodily or physical,
3: is not good. And didn't that ha- so. contain that idea of the divine spark? Was that part of Gnosticism that comes into each person, oh. you know, that gives them that nilet knowledge? And yeah, again, that's so close. Spark. I mean, we we would say each one of us has been gifted with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, We're tasked. Could, couldn't you say that's a divine spark? And, and it's it's so close to being right
0: well we're going to take a break now to the bishop and vicars we've tackled and are tackling a very important topic heresy in the church because this is the rating sweep we're now I just found out 40, <laughs> we're in last place we're in 42 dioceses in the United States oh. so it was 26, no, more in the last minute no, Gina Varelli Bray- just gave me a letter from oh. my good friend Cardinal DiNardo we evidently we're doing well in Houston oh, okay. <laughs> but um, some of the heresies we left out Father Curse was talking about the divine spark Sparky. Um, sparky, Sparky, and uh, <laughs> that that was something about Gnosticism, but then there was, um, as heresies took on different uh, dimensions in various periods of time, we have the medieval heresies, and one of the group was the were the Cathars. Now they were at Carcassonne, which is a uh, south of France, uh, a walled city. Um, just f- focus on them before we want to move into modern heresies. But what did the Cathars believe?
1: Well. The Cathars or Albigensians, they actually come from Manichaeanism, so it's the same thing. Anything physical is bad and um, so it was best if you didn't get married and it was, um, you know, so it was a, and they were complete poverty and um, there was actually the only crusade in Christianity ever against another Christian group
0: Mm.
1: was a crusade against the Albigensians and of course, the Dominicans come about, and their big role is to put down the Albigensian heresy, which they did successfully. Which they did successfully,
0: and that yes. Hmm. Now, I, the Jesuits were founded to deal with put down the, the Protestants. Protestants, and uh, they were not were as successful. Now, our brothers, yes. <laughs> well, the Dominicans, what they said, helped them with the capes, but that's for another show. Habits
3: in the church, (laughs) factor friction. friction. And you get heresies that are reactions to other heresies. So an early one, Pelagianism. Hmm. And these are dealing with how do you balance God's grace and our human freedom? And there's an orthodox way of balancing those two things. But again, you get off just a little bit and all of a sudden you're a heresy. So Pelagianism, it's to the extreme that by our own savvy and and, uh, hard work, work, we can gain salvation by ourselves without God's grace. The reaction to that being Jansenism, several centuries later, saying no, Pelagianism went off the rails. So they go to the other extreme and talk about uh, again, kind of the depravity of the person. There's nothing good in the person, so everything is grace, and we can't do anything good unless it's God's grace. And there's really no human freedom involved in this. It's just, uh, it's just God's grace uh, working in our life, and and again, denying the the fundamental goodness of the human person, and. Uh,
0: Thus, the, ty- the uh, Martin Luther's description of uh, of us as uh, the snow-covered dunghill.
3: We're pretty apt. Pretty apt yeah. Looking oh. around the table. You might be thinking of Dunghill <laughs> Haven Homes, which in sponsors Yakima. our show, and Yakima. Yakima.
0: Dunghill Haven Homes in uh, Yakima, Washington. They're a new sponsor. They are a new sponsor. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm spinning off my show so we can continue to have my friends at Buick. Um but some, so about Jansenism, uh, that was dealt with. Uh, we, Father Me was talking about at the break how the Jesuits and the devotion of the Sacred Heart, uh, the compassion of Jesus helped address that. The greatest Saint Vincent de Paul also spoke about that because Jansenism had its spread throughout France, which would have then affected the Irish clergy, which were accused at times of being Jansenistic. Uh, how about the Germans? Were they, the German clergy ever, uh, what heresies might they have, Foisted Mm. on the church. Something to do with
3: sauerkraut.
0: Uh, Mm.
1: Josephism, which was, which was basically uh, that the um, (laughs) I think that comes out of Austria, and that the emperor, that um, rulers, you know, they didn't really have to pay attention to the pope. I think that's right. Josephism.
0: What uh, What about Mason? The whole Mason movement would that be a heresy, Masonry, or is that something a little bit more controversial for another show? On another network and another galaxy. <laughs> I don't think
2: Masonry is, is technically a heresy. It, it, it's it, it's non-Christian, huh?
0: Is that correct?
1: Well, I, yeah. Um, I don't. I, it doesn't get into doctrine, sure. As far as I know. More of a secret society. Mm-hmm. I what want are, to. Uh, but p- I, I want to know about what would we each of us consider a modern-day heresy? Excellent. You
2: and I are on the same page. I was. Just yeah, going really, to circle back. <laughs> Yeah, great <laughs> minds <laughs> think alike. We're, we're in oh harmony. My. This yeah. is scary. Yes.
1: Kumbaya. Kumbaya. All right. All right. Us.
2: Um, so I'm going to throw out a, a an heresy. observation and a heresy, okay. a modern one. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong. Throw it out there, Jerry. And I know you'll love to do that. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I wonder if we couldn't uh, identify a form of Gnosticism today that gets expressed in... Um, the whole thing, the whole business of well, you know, m- my truth tells me X, Y, and Z. Well, that's my truth. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not your truth. That's my truth. That that there's this, there's this uh, elite knowledge uh, that people have that uh, that which they call their truth, and which permits them pretty much to
0: believe and behave any way that they want to. Would that, would, would that be to. though relativism? Um, I mean, Pope yeah, Pope Benedict used to talk about the dictatorship of relativism gripping. Mm-hmm gripping Western society and beyond. Uh, But that is very true. People, um, in fact, we were talking about earlier that the early church dealt with so many of these things. But today now, with the modern heresy, and I think for a listening audience, is atheism. I mean, it used to be God, Okay, we're going to speak about these individual. We don't agree on who God is. Now they're saying, why do we even need to talk about God?
1: I think, yes, that's, uh, atheism is certainly, I think, the number one, because uh, past heresies have, uh, some of them at least, when we started with uh, Arianism, and that questioned the nature of God, and the modern heresy questions whether there is a God, or it doesn't even question, it says there is no God, he's just a figment of our imagination or, or projection of what we want, and uh, that that, I think, is the real warfare that the church has today but one other quick heresy I'd say we've lost our sense of um, idealism in reaching for um, truth the good and the beauty and I think one example of that is in this <laughs> is climate change and the way we approach that in climate change why if we don't you know change our ways uh, the world you know we're all going to be gone in 12 years or whatever Now, whether one believes in climate change or not, just that approach, it's kind of a cowardly approach. We have to live a way of life because if we don't, something evil is going to happen, Mm. as opposed to, well, we're to be reaching for the good. And therefore, we as Catholics, especially, we speak of God, our creator, his creation, and therefore how we treat and how we are stewards of his creation is a whole different approach. But one, I would say, is heretical and the other is Orthodox. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, You're talking about, we're talking about we're talking about you know atheism, atheism, and questioning the existence of God, and that certainly is present today. But I wonder if it, if it's more prevalent for people to believe in God, um, but that God really has no you know has no impact on my life. It, it reminds me of that heresy. I don't know what the name the name of it is, but it's where uh, God is the is the divine um, deus. They're deus. They're deus. Okay. Yeah. They, they wind up. Earth and creation, humanity like a watch, and then just and then just let it go. It's that Bette Midler song, "God is watching us from a distance." Yeah. That was your favorite. Yeah, well, that, yeah that's you, the, well, that's, that's, that's uh, deism. Uh,
0: Father, me will be at the Jerry Lee uh, Music Hall in Butte, Montana, God all is, summer, God and Bette Miller's, God Miller's appearing yeah. <laughs> yeah. along with Sir mix uh,
1: <laughs> What's that one? You're my hero, or whatever. Was that her?
0: The wind beneath your wings. That was the. That, <laughs> uh, that was that <laughs> uh, uh, Did you ever no, know? Let's you not Did you ever know that you're right here? Well, that's another
1: heresy. Uh, bad music and But nuts. you know, going back to, de- well, they say that most of the, the founders were of our nation were deists or even atheists, hmm. but at least they recognize the need for God because if we don't have inalienable rights given us by God, it means our rights are given us by government or mm-hmm. by individuals, and that's a very dangerous slope because then individuals or government can take them away. So even a deist or an atheist as perhaps our founders were or were not, uh, they recognized that for this system to work of ours, uh, there had to be uh, a God. There had to be one above the rest of us. Hmm.
0: You know, again, we're talking about Gnosticism and that secret knowledge, which is prevalent, or atheism, which denies the existence of God. But sometimes, I think, uh, to bring it back to a a more historical, the um, iconoclasts was this movement where uh, in churches... uh, uh, statues were destroyed, religious images. Um, you had um, Cromwell, wasn't he kind of the lynch mob of uh, leader under Henry in England? But uh, the the notion of uh, destruction of that which is beautiful uh, is is may not be identified today as as a heresy. But haven't we seen that in some of the very beautiful churches that were? Attempt to be modernized, where they talk about recovations uh, <laughs> We don't, don't want to talk about that, or is, yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. We can move back to uh, t- t- to t- uh, too soon Jansenism. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, the, the,
2: I, I think that there's a couple elements to iconoclasm. Uh, iconoclasts, uh, and one is uh, a misreading uh, of the Old Testament of, of "thou shalt not have any graven images." Um, and that gets taken to an extreme whereby, uh, even today in some uh, Christian denomination, you, you wouldn't see any images, any statues. Um, I think it's true in some other, uh, I'm not sure of Jehovah's Witness, but uh, certainly it, it, there that is a trend even today, not to have any images in one's um, worship space. Um, and it, again, it comes from a, a misreading of, of the Old Testament. I, it's interesting they'll quote the Old Old Testament about uh, images but then uh, forget about when God was designing the Ark of the Covenant um, if you go back and and read that God commanded that angels uh, be carved uh, four angels be carved and attached to the Ark of of the Covenant so God himself was was calling for this uh, graven image so
1: what I've never understood about that is um, Images, they express a meaning to us, so be it a beautiful painting or whatever. Um, So it's just an expression of a truth, hopefully. Well, words are actually, when we write them down, uh, that's an image as well. It's just a different image expressing a meaning to us. So actually a true iconoclast should not only be against images, but should be against written word because they're images as well.
0: Well, it there be the power of beauty in the church. I know uh, Bishop Barron often speaks about uh, the beauty of, of God bringing people to belief in God and the beauty of the church. And I think in that series he did on Catholicism, there was one episode when he was in um, Saint-Chapelle. Uh, is that... Is By Yakima? No, that's actually... <laughs> no. <laughs> that's outside of Butte. Oh. It's, it's right sorry. near Anaconda. <laughs> but um, in any case, the beauty tells us what we are, but it also integrates what we are if we're ever going to be human in the fullest sense, beauty must have a role to play because beauty is what makes it delightful to be human. Interesting. That was uh, in your journal article uh, this morning, he- Father he- Kirst. <sighs> we're about out of time, and I know we've tackled this uh, subject as her- heretics out there. And uh, if you have any heretics and you like us to do something about it, please phone uh, our 1-800 number, and uh, we'll, send, we'll investigate this. We hope that you, we're into the uh, summer months, and we hope it's a time to rest, but remember we never have a vacation from God, and it's important that you pray for all of our parishes here in eastern Washington, our priests, deacons, religious women, and men, and the lay faithful, that together we will grow in holiness and trusting all of this. blessed Virgin Mary, Our Lady of the Lord. God bless and thank you.